Hello, brothers and sisters, Pastor Jason here. Coming to you today on this podcast, we are so excited to be here and have you listening with us. I want to encourage you to check out our Facebook page, Pastor Bites, B-A-S-T-O-R-B-Y-T-E-S, and please leave a rating if you like this podcast and what you think of it. Also, you can turn in your questions there. But I want to talk to you on this podcast about anxiety. And anxiety is openly talked about. It seems like more and more, you know, years gone by, they wouldn't talk about things like anxiety in the open forum. They wouldn't talk about things like depression in the open forum. They wouldn't talk about things like suicide in the open forum. It was kind of this secret that you kept, you know, that was kind of pushed under the rug and swept under that you didn't talk about. And and I'm not saying that that is always right, but I'm also saying sometimes it seems like since we've talked about those things, everyone that's ever had a little bit of fear then says, well, I've had anxiety. And that may be true that we've all had some type of anxiety, but I want to go just a little bit further than that. You know, let's talk about having anxiety that actually impairs. It's one thing to have anxiety or worry about something. We all have that. But I'm ta- I want to talk a little bit about the anxiety that actually impairs people and some things like that. I want to first of all say that, uh, you know, if you can look on the web and find this definition, but you know, anxiety is an intense, excessive, and persistent worry to fear about everyday situations. Fast heart rate, rapid breathing, sweating, and feeling tired may occur. You know, there's anxiety disorders that the DSM-5 diagnoses the generalized anxiety disorder. There's social anxiety. There's separation anxiety. There's obsessive compulsive disorder that has anxiety. And so there's a lot of different things to talk about in anxieties. But I want to talk about an anxiety that really impairs or really can affect the life of a believer. And that's where I want to focus a lot of this talk. And, And first of all, one of the most important things is, is we know that we need to turn to the scriptures because there's a lot of opinions on this. There's a lot of ideas on this, but I first want to turn to the scriptures. We'll also talk about some very natural ways to be able to overcome anxiety. But first in the scriptures, I thought it was interesting if we look at John chapter four and I'll start reading verse 13. Here's John chapter four, verse 13. Hereby know we that dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us his spirit and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So see, he's establishing that if you're a believer, then the Spirit of God lives in you, and also we live in him. And verse 17 says, Herein our love made perfect that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And I'll tell you that I know that's difficult to swallow to a sense. I myself have had anxiety. I myself have felt anxiety at times. Praise God. I haven't had that lately, but I went through a stage in my life. I believe that I went through some things that God allowed me to have more compassion on other people. That's the only thing I can look back and realize why I went through it several years ago. But to where I really had pain in my chest, I had shortness of breath. At times I thought maybe I'd even 
didn't have a heart attack. I mean, I went through some pretty severe anxiety attacks there for a few months. Really, we need to turn back to the scripture, and it's very important that we look at this and understand there needs to be a revelation. And the revelation starts with this, that God lives in us. I know that's so basic, but see, if we're going to truly trust the sovereignty of God, or that God's going to turn out everything for His good, no matter what it is, then we need to know that God lives in us, and we live in Him. And we need revelation that God's in us. It's what the Scripture's telling us, because before, we've had a lot of people say, you know, perfect love casts out fear, but they normally turn to it and then say, so love your brother. Well, that's true, that to love our brother, that's good. But really, that's not in context. This, this Scripture in context is is that we should know, first of all, if we're saved, if we've invited him, if we've confessed the Lord, then he lives in us. But then we know then that perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. That's what the Bible says. The fear hath torment. So fear is an enemy of faith. See, I think it's very important that we identify that it's the enemy. So, you know, the people's not your problem. The job is not your problem. The bills are not your problem. The problem is the devil and the fear that we have because we're being tormented. That's important that we identify what that is. That fear is actually torment to us, that it's an enemy. It goes on to say in verse 18, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. I don't have to feel guilty. I don't have to feel horrible. I just simply look at the scripture and say, the scripture's right. Well, I'm not made perfect in love. So then I approach it this way. First of all, I take all my fear to God and I say, God, you live in me. I live in you. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear because you don't want me to live in fear. So I want to be made perfect in love. God, show me. And I believe revelation needs to take place that God is sovereign. You know, sometimes it's easy to understand God is the Holy Spirit. He's like the mothering spirit that woos you along, you know, that approaches you about your sin, but yet comforts you that it's going to be okay and you're able to do this and he talks to us. And it's okay to think about Jesus as our friend because that's easy because a lot of us have had friends, you know, relationships in our life. Hopefully we've all had some good ones to where we can see a friend and know the benefits of having that relationship. So we can receive God as Jesus, you know, part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, very simple. But sometimes when we deal with anxiety, most generally we're having a problem with God's sovereignty, which is God the Father. Now, why is that? You know, because some of us didn't have great earthly fathers. So it's hard for us to relate to a heavenly father that loves us, especially if we've been under any kind of abuse, any kind of abandonment, any kind of dysfunction of of any sort from our natural father. We actually turn that around and take it into the spiritual realm. It's just, you know, not even cognitively, you know, in our subconscious, we actually take that and transfer that to the Heavenly Father. And so we have a problem with that. So I like to say, Lord, I know you're sovereign. You are perfect. You know, whether or not what experience I've had in my life doesn't matter, but God, you are sovereign. So you'll take even the bad things if they do happen and you'll turn them around for my good. Romans chapter eight, all things work for the good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. I know that according to the scripture. So God, you are sovereign. And that's one thing that's hard to attach to the, you know, the God that of the, of the Old Testament that's a jealous God. You know, he hasn't changed. The Bible said God changes not. You know, the, the God, the Father that's all powerful and this almighty can that put breath into our body, but also can snuff us out in a half a second if he wants to. I mean, you have to really trust in the sovereignty of God. Jesus is our friend, but he's also the sovereign God of the universe. I mean, he rules kingdoms. It's hard. Many 
many times I see someone that struggles with anxiety, they have a real hard time relating to God as their father, as their sovereign ruler. You see, it's real simple. I like to bring things to the throne of God. Like, Lord, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time dealing with this. I'll actually coach people and tell them to go to the Lord in prayer and ask them, Lord, help me to see your sovereignty. And if we've been saved, the second our eyes are open to God, we see his sovereignty. We see that when we were in darkness, when we were in our sin, when we are going against God, God still loved us. And the Bible tells us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God, the Father's sovereignty, looked down from heaven and sent his son to a cross because he was sovereign and he knew we could not save ourselves. So the very act of the crucifixion was proving God's sovereignty. But it didn't stop there. When I get saved, my eyes are open. The fact that even when I didn't serve him, he turned it all around for my good. It doesn't matter the hurt. It doesn't matter the pain. It doesn't matter our circumstances. God allowed me to breathe until the day of salvation when I ignored God. So how much more, if we are now his children, does God love us and want to embrace us and want to help us? We're not against God anymore. We're trying to do things for God. You see, my friends, God as the Father, the sovereignty of God is what we have to trust in. We There's every aspect of the Trinity is important, but when we're dealing with fear and anxiety, we have to say, God, we know you're sovereign. God, I know you loved us. We love you, but you first loved us. And God, help me to see the love that you have for me. You know, half of the things we worry about, they never come to pass anyway. One sign at a church said when I drove by it one time, it says that worry is interest being paid on a debt that the note never comes due. And how pitiful is it that we spend our time thinking about things and entertaining things that just give us anxiety or worry, you know, God doesn't want that for us. It's not that he punishes us if we live in fear, but God doesn't want that to happen. And he's sovereign and he's taking care of us. You know, he has us in the palm of his hand. And now that we've discussed a belief or a standard to start from, I want to talk to you about some errors that I've seen when people are coached through anxiety. And one thing that I see is, first of all, early on, it wasn't identified, in which we've talked about identifying what it is and that it is our enemy. And then second of all, I see the problem of suppression. And that's very important to understand because I don't believe that God wants us to suppress our emotions or he wants us to cover them. And many times we've been taught coping skills. We've been taught medications. We've been taught those things to where we're able to suppress those things. And God's given us a great deal of medication and a great deal of doctors for these types of things. The problem is emotion should not be suppressed, that it should be exposed. And really, we need to remember not to try to cover a bunch of anxiety up or try to mask it. I can put you in a state to where nothing will bother you if I use enough alcohol or drugs, but I can suppress it. You know, I can use a depressant. Alcohol is a depressant. And I don't want to try to suppress any emotion that I'm having. I want to get to the root of the problem. See, anxiety is a fruit, but we need to get to the root of the tree. We can deal with the fruit and talk about the fruit and talk about the problem and talk about the scare and talk about the worries. And, you know, but we, we're not dealing with the root and the root of it is a belief. Someone doesn't care about me. Something's going to happen. I'm going to die. As You know, there's, there's a belief there. Anxiety is just a red flag that we can wave just like anger is, just like depression is, just like passive aggressiveness is, which is another 
kind of anger. And when we have these dysfunctions or these emotions that are imperable, it's important that we don't try to suppress or run from them, that we face them. You know, God has made us as people. You read the scripture, read about all the struggles that are in the Bible. Why did he put all that junk in there about David and Bathsheba and all the sin and all the problem and all the anger and, and all the torment? Why? Because God's not afraid of it. Because God wanted us to see that people that are human have problems. And we don't need to suppress this kind of stuff. We need to address this kind of stuff. So a common problem I see is lack of identifying it as the enemy. And then number two, the fact is we try to suppress it. I tell someone your anxiety is a great thing because God's going to try to teach you something through this. Many times when I go through things, I learn through the sovereignty of God that it wasn't so much about that situation that I went through. It was God getting me through that so I was prepared for the next situation. And that's the way we need to look at it. We need to expose it and say, God, I have this anxiety. I have this fear. And God, I thank you that I have this because this is a big red flag to help me with my life because I don't want to be impaired and I don't want to be held captive by this any longer. So try not to suppress it. I'm not against using medications. I say that time and time again, but I am against it whenever I go to talk to someone about it and they're so suppressed, they're so sedated that they can't get in touch with their emotion anymore. My friends, emotion is the bridge to your deliverance. Emotion is the bridge. We see people weep and cry in the house of God, and I don't try to suppress that. I try to expose that and embrace that. I don't mind embracing fears. Why? Because you have them anyway. What good does it do to suppress anything? You need to expose it. Now, I'm not suggesting that we have this, we need to walk around and talk about it all the time. No, but I think we need to expose it. We need to expose it for what it is. Remember, the emotion is just a red flag, and the emotion is the bridge to the lie, which is the bridge to the truth, which is deliverance. So I like to tell people with anxiety, hey, you're just going to sit there in your apartment or your house and fret and sweat and thank you, think about calling 911 if you're having an anxiety attack. Before you call EMS, you know, no one dies from anxiety attacks. They just don't. That's why they say you get tired afterwards. Well, your body goes through all that and that cortisol is going through your brain and your adrenaline's being secreted. And then all of a sudden your body can only take that so long. So then you get real tired and sleepy. And so you may go to sleep quicker, but you're not going to die. But you embrace that and say, God, this is where I'm at. And not that you want to be stuck there, but you embrace it and say, God, now why am I feeling like this? And do you know what God will do? God will speak to you. I believe that God is wanting to speak to us about our emotion, about our fear, and God will show us things. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't run when you're having an anxiety attack. He is so close to you. The Bible said he is in you and you are in him. He is there. Turn to him. See, the devil wants to tell us we got to work ourselves back up to peace and rightness, and then God will talk to us. That's horrible. God speaks to us sometimes through the storm, sometimes through the rain, sometimes through the thunder, and he also speaks in a still, small voice. But God's not limited to speaking to us when we finally feel like we're spiritual enough to hear from him. That's ridiculous. You know, saying God is inside of me and God won't speak to me, it's an oxymoron. God won't speak to me because I've done something wrong and feared too much or because I'm too emotional. You know, my emotional brain's just turning too fast so my logical brain I can't hear. No, what I've learned is sometimes in my greatest emotional moments, no matter what it be, God will turn and speak to me. But I got to 
of turn and ask him. We spend the time between our two ears, between our head, instead of turning to the one, to the God that can actually help us and heal us and speak to us. And then whenever I see where I'm believing wrong, I believe that God's not sovereign, or I believe that this person's out to get me, or whatever lie that I'm believing. Once I get that straight, once I understand and the Lord reveals to me what my problem is, see, beliefs are deep inside your core, your thoughts and or where your emotions come from, how you think, how you perceive, how you see something. That's where your emotions come from. But deeper than just our thoughts is our beliefs. That's what's deep down inside of us. And God wants to reveal any lies that we believe. See, we're bent like that tree that's bent through the windstorm or broken by that windstorm. And God wants to straighten us back up. That's the word salvation. It's sozo, to be made whole. God wants to clear us up. He wants to clear the lies. And once he does, he inserts the truth. But friends, one thing I want to mention to you before I close is, is that when doing this, you have to make a decision. We talk about emotion. We talk about depression. We talk about these things, which are very true and very real. But we have to think about what is faith? Faith, we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11, 1 tells us. So the faith is something, it's a substance. So our substance has to be something. So faith is action. Faith is not talking about something we might do, but it's making a decision to do something. Our faith is based on the cross. Jesus actually went to the cross, substance. So we have the same kind of faith. It takes an action. So we first choose to do something right. See, if we wait until we feel right to do something right, then we'll be led by our emotions. I don't want to be led by my emotions. That's not what the Christian life is all about. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want to be led by the things of God. And if God says, be obedient when I praise, when I read my Bible, when I do things of God, when I go to church, then even if I'm anxious, I want to continue in that faith. And it's time eventually, if we continue doing the right things, according to the scripture, the things God asks us to do, not some crazy outlandish things that makes us go off and live in a monastery or what have you, but I'm talking about practical spiritual disciplines. If we'll put those things first in the front of the train, then the caboose will follow. But see, we can't allow our emotions to lead us because what started as minor anxiety will turn into more anxiety, which will turn into major impairment, which will eventually turn into disability. And I'm telling you, friends, it's an epidemic for these social disorders to where then we're disabled to where we just can't even function. That's not God's plan. But if you are a Christian, God calls you to be an overcomer. And I believe that we have that appointment with God that God appoints us unto deliverance. And I hope you believe that too. But faith is a substance. Faith is an action. So let's get that logic down to where I may be anxious. I may be scared, but I still do those things. So many times when I've overcome with obedience, the emotion would follow. I can't stress that enough. Whenever I've felt like not getting out of the house, one of the first things I need to do is get out of the house, even if it's on my day off. You know, I need to get amongst people. I can't isolate. And with anxiety, the devil wants, what's he trying to do? The devil's trying to take you to separate you because the Bible says he's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He has one goal, to kill, steal, and destroy. And it'll be that way until we go home with Jesus. He's going to try to, to separate you from the flock, separate you from the church, separate you from society, and then destroy you. It's all about your faith. It's an 
attack on the very faith that you have. And if it's not checked and it's not brought out into the light and not exposed, then we're in danger of being impaired. If the devil can't take our salvation, he'll impair us to the place we're not effective. And if we don't have a true salvation, he's out to destroy any little faith we've ever had. That's his goal. And lastly, friends, I told you I would talk about some natural things that you could do to be able to help with anxiety. And first of all, don't forget what grandma said. Don't smoke, don't chew, and don't hang around with girls that do. Remember, smoking is a stimulant. I've heard people say, oh, I need to relax. I've got anxiety. Then they smoke a cigarette, which is a stimulant. It's not helping, friends. Another thing is, don't forget, caffeine is a stimulant. I told someone the other day, they was dealing with anxiety, just talked to me in passing. I said, how's your caffeine intake? They said, well, I've just been drinking tea and coffee. I said, won't you try cutting that back and see if you can get off of that? They got off of that three days there. They said, I'm a different person. I don't have the anxiety that I had. I have a little but not nothing like I had. And they'd gotten to a place in life they couldn't handle that kind of caffeine intake anymore. Those things are important. And also exercise. Exercise is a great way to get the body some blood flow and be able to release some of that energy, that anxiety. And it's a natural way to affect the body against anxiety. Friends, God bless you. Hope it's been good. Until next time, God bless.